Well, hey, folks. Welcome. Well, here we are, the Not Necessarily Mad podcast with me, Eric Hollinsworth, and G.B. Meyer. So thanks for joining us. In this episode of Not Necessarily Mad, G.B. and I chat a bit about the jobs we've held and what we've brought forth from those experiences. So let's get right to it. Well, hey, GB. Hey, Eric. How is it going, man? It is going all right. How are you doing? Again, it sounds like a broken record, but all things considered, I'm doing okay. Yeah, you know what? Same here. All things considered. I got a job. I got all my fingers and toes. I'm pretty happy with things. (laughs) Right. On the right side of the dirt. I am on the right side of the dirt. Right. So, um... What's our topic? Well, speaking of the right side of the dirt, I know that if you ever hear that I've retired, that you have misread the wire. I have actually, they've thrown dirt on my face. I'm a working guy. (laughs) Right. I've been working since I was 16 years old, and I know we were talking about that. And I've had a lot of different jobs, and so have you. I, you know, after we we talked about this in our in our production meeting, I was like, yeah, let me yeah, let me me write down the list. So I did, and. We'll get into it later, but it, it's it's actually kind of balanced. So. You know, so what struck me was when we were talking about it, um, you and I have, I, I don't have the right word for this, but I'll just say that, I'll speak for me, I'm pretty game to try stuff. Right. If you're like, hey, you want to try this? You know what? If it doesn't look like it's going to get me, uh, you know, speaking of the right side of the dirt, if it doesn't, if it doesn't look like it's going to mess me up too bad, I'll, I'll probably give it a try at least once. Right. And uh, so I've had a number of, of number of jobs along the way, and I've brought something with me from each one of them. Um, and sometimes it's really unusual things, you know, uh, things I wouldn't expect. Right. I don't know if you found that to be the case in your history when you were going through your list. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, a friend of mine and I talk about it, uh, you know, as we've become um, matured, mm-hmm. <laughs> as, as it were. Um, we we keep going back to our time in college. We were college friends, and yeah, and we both go. You know, we were uh, we were both theater majors. Uh, I, I switched from music to theater to get out of college um, to finish up, and uh-huh. um, came back obviously to music later on. But um, of all the jobs that I've had, that's one that I kind of like lean on for a lot more than people would would think. Really? Well, um, well, just you know. As a theater person, you have to get up in front of people and talk. Sure, you have to you have to present, and you know that's that's an everyday thing. Whether we want to admit it or not, we're all playing characters for the people that see us. They don't they don't see the whole us. They see what we want to show them, which in a theatrical term, you, you've created a character. Now it is a character mm-hmm. of you, but you're not deviling at all Del- delving deep enough into it to where they you know they have the deep deep. Uh, you know, I get that. My, you know, my my very very first job was working with theater majors, more or less, from William and Mary at Bush Gardens. Yeah, so hmm. Bush Gardens had like this little, uh, if you will, like a, a little corner that was like supposed to be a, a Renaissance fair. Oh, do you? Okay, yeah. Well, I, I was there faking a British accent and all that other jazz. Now, I don't know that it was necessarily uh, uh, true acting or, a, you know, inhabiting a character. Um, you know, it was it was somewhat improvisational and making stuff up and bringing people in and convincing them that they were having an experience. But it was also counting quarters and trying to demonstrate how to run across the rolling log without falling on the mat, that kind of thing. 
but <laughs> but there's something to be said for being in front of people and right. having to occupy something that is not you and present that while you are you know in control of the situation right and that, and that's sort of where we're getting to it's like even though that was a very um targeted situation with what you're having to do we do that to an extent i think all the time anyway with with our i don't necessarily <laughs> right. our close friends but you know the, the 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 public that we deal with and you know as a as a working musician now even more so because you know the person that i am on stage is is me i'm not putting on effects or um trying to be something yeah. i'm not when i'm on stage but i'm also not giving the full picture it's like i'm i'm here to do a job right. just like anybody else does a job but part of that job is to be you know presenting and to be you know on display basically and and you, you know you have to have to work with that sometimes and a lot of musicians i know they they have a hard time yeah you know i think that uh getting up in front of people and being you know present it, it can be part of a number of things like uh, and i don't know i don't know if you've ever worked in any kind of uh any kind of uh food service if you've tended bar or waited tables or done anything like that yeah i i you know the the only bartending i did was um one of the and in fact it's on the list one of the jobs i had when i was younger yeah um well college age is i was a i was a paid student assistant ah. for the theater department and when you hit the magic age of 21 <laughs> um they would they would call and say hey do you want to earn some extra bucks slinging beer and you would work faculty events or special events on campus and usually it was a you know a very shortly stocked bar primarily beer and wine uh -huh, with a couple sure. of uh liquors and mixers but nothing you know i'm not making grasshoppers you know uh, right you, yeah you, you want a bourbon and coke i'm good that type of thing so i you know that's really been the only like food service style thing i've done i gotcha yeah i did some of that too actually uh um which was with uh, catering when I was uh, at school, uh, you know, in at UVA, and right. uh, uh, you know the limited bars that we would set up in gardens and at the top of the rotunda and all right. that other stuff, you know. But um, yeah, and I think I think that getting in front of people who are from really strange walks of life. I waited tables one summer in an all night diner. Uh. Yeah, I know. Um, I can tell you, I didn't enjoy it. Not exactly. The money wasn't too bad, at least not for what I had available to me at the time. Um, but two things I took away from that. One is just I'll just put it right out there. There's a whole different world that lives like in the in the nighttime that never comes out in the day. Dude, one of my favorite stories to tell about that time of night. Yeah. Is uh, I got I got pulled on my way home from a gig one night, late night. Yeah, uh, I was really tired, and I bumped. Evidently, I bumped the line a couple of times, <laughs> and and the, cop, the the police officer pulled me over, and he says, um, uh, "What? Uh, do you know why I pulled you over?" Yeah, dude, I'm really, I'm really tired. It's been a long day. I just got off a gig. Blah 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 blah. And he goes, "Do you drink when you play?" I'm like, "No, sir." And he <laughs> goes, "Really?" And I'm like, "Nope," because I know I got to drive home, and there's only three people on the road this time of night. You me and a bunch of other people that are drunk and i don't want nothing to do with either one of the others <laughs> and he goes yep have a good night you liked your calculus yeah yeah he he, he enjoyed the maths right 
<laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, getting up in front of people who um, who are different than you, who are not day walkers, who want their <laughs> eggs cooked a particular way, that can be... I want them yellow. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, anyway, you'd be surprised when you have to go back and tell the short order cook. Well, here's what he said he wants, you know. Anyway, um, you know, that's got it. That's that's got its own exposures, but certainly, uh, you know, getting in front of people and um, uh, holding your own in a low stakes situation, but one that you know still has, you know, the opportunity to be weird or go sideways, and everyone's tired and it's late or whatever. Right. Uh, that was that was a pretty good experience. It wasn't my only food service work. Um, I also worked in a Chinese restaurant. Um, <laughs> did I not tell you this? No. That might be one of my favorite jobs. I worked for a little over a year, six days a week in a, um, I'm going to call it upscale. It was an upscale Chinese restaurant. It had really nice cloth table, uh, tablecloths and folded napkins and classical music and so forth. Oh, nice. Yeah, but I was like, you know, I was really only one of two Caucasians in the whole place. Um, and, um, now this was long before immigration was really you know the hotbed topic that it is today but everyone <laughs> right. in the kitchen was from el salvador oh okay so i know i know right i'm i'm i'm, I'm trying to fall okay you've got a caucasian working at a chinese uh-huh. restaurant with yeah. a kitchen full of hondurans <laughs> uh, salvadorans salvadorans yeah. very okay. close yeah, yeah yeah so uh what did i take with me from that well a couple things that are are probably not that useful i do know how to uh I do know how to say the most horrible, horrible things in uh, slang Taiwanese, <laughs> um, and I have proven that out once on a bet uh, while working in IT to a uh, a young lady who was from Taiwan and challenged me, and uh, it did crack her up. Well, uh, but she didn't smack you, so that's a good. Yeah, one. well, she, she you know she turned right red. She's like, I can't believe you said it. I'm like, you asked me, <laughs> so. <laughs> But um, I, I, I jumped in uh, feet first uh, with my high school Spanish, and um, you know, before it was all said and done, I was uh, I was taking some of my coworkers to the doctor and translating for them and doing stuff like that. It was pretty oh, exciting. Right, cool. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so it I, sounds it sounds like that this was early on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. High school. Uh, this was um, this was actually like right after I right after I finished college. I didn't know what was going on. There was a recession, and right, I was right, trying right. to figure it out. Yeah, that was for a whole year. So, so it sounds like it it kind of formed uh, that act itself. Kind of formed the person that you are today. That I know. Yeah, yeah, as, yeah, yeah. yeah. As, as far as you know, so, social activism on a microcosm. It's very much about building those immediate relationships and f- figuring out what I can do to help people on a personal level. Um, and that's, I think you're right. That's where I, I, I discovered that as a uh, very, very young adult. Um, so, but you know, that's not so much food service per se. I mean, I, I certainly know my way around, uh, you know, a list of Chinese ingredients now. That's also pretty useful. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that, that, that yeah. Never hurts. So let me ask you. Yeah. Because it, it's, it's, sounds like we've had a very both of us have had a varied and i don't want to say checkered but uh surprising you know uh work history right it's a kaleidoscopic kaleidoscopic work yeah. history. right what was your worst job oh man um 
All right, so it's a toss up. You know what? I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with this one. My worst job was I had a part time gig in my 20s in the evenings and on the occasional uh, weekend shift, working loss prevention for a Sears in the East End of Richmond. And, yeah, yeah. It was store store cop with video cameras and walkie talkies and and all of that. Oh, dude. Yeah, dude. I needed I needed money and they were hiring, so right. I gave. But like I said, I'm game. So I'm like, yeah, I'll yeah. try it. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not begrudging. No, no. But I'm yeah, not, that I'm was. Not, a, I'm not fronting, but man, that's a, that's a crappy job. It, it it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It well, it takes the cake. How about you? Um, I worked a factory job for about oh. a year, and um, it it really cool product, man. I'm I'm like I'm still. You know, it's like, hey, have you ever heard about this stuff? It's actually a, a, a hardwood product, uh, flooring. Uh-huh. That's, uh huh. That's that's veneered flooring. Okay. Uh, en- engineered flooring. So the bottom, like two thirds of it, are plywood, and then they glue a thin strip of hardwood. Oh, okay, right. On top of it, um, laminate. That's what mm-hmm. it would be called. And um, this company found a way to inject plastic into the wood and hit it with gamma radiation and turn it into a plastic wood. Basically, it has all the uh, temperament of wood in that you can shape it, cut it, you know, sand it and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But the dye in the plastic after it hits the gamma radiation soaks all the way through the wood so that if you gouge it, you just fill it with a clear filler and it's no different than the rest of the wood around it. It's and it's oh, it's indestructible at that point. Um, the Disney stores that were at the mall back in the uh-huh. 90s and early 2000s, yeah, we, we outfitted all of their hardwood floors. Gotcha, which See, which is why it was the worst job. I was in charge of that product, uh huh, and that meant that I had to uh create fake dowel holes and then fill them with fake dowels so it looked like it was nailed down. <laughs> um, for eight hours a day, five days a week, you know, for almost a year. So uh, wait, so if I could summarize, you created handcrafted effects in wood that had been treated yeah. with plastic and then nuked, and uh, Co- correct, right here in Lynchburg, Virginia, for processed in a factory. You know, I think a little piece of my soul just died hearing that story. I, I know. Do you know what I took away from that job? What? what? That I never want to work in a factory again. <laughs> I, I took no skill sets from that that I didn't already have. I just it's just the knowledge now that I never ever 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 want to work in a factory again if I can help it. And and, and I'm not knocking it. It's just that it for me it was um, it was a good experience at uh-huh. the age I was at, and it and it taught me a life lesson about you know if you apply yourself with what you love, you never have to do these kind of things. Oh, that is true. And and again, I'm not I'm not downing anybody that loves their factory job. If that's your calling and that's your passion, dude, I'm all for it. I met folks that were like that at that job. They were really that was what their passion was was machining or this or that. Sure. And 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 I applaud them for that too. It it just wasn't for me. Well, you and I are you and I are these weird chimeras of uh, you know creative pursuit and also analytical capability. And I think anything that you have to do by routine or over and over or that's compliance oriented is probably not going to be what we like. Just a guess. The problem with that is, and I found this out, and I, I when I was doing my list, I looked and I just wrote them down in the space that I had on my little legal pad. Yeah. 
And it comes out that if you break my adult life basically in half, uh huh, I have seven jobs from 1986-ish, a little bit before that. Because like you, I started at 16. I worked at a drugstore, a oh, drugstore okay. chain. Yeah. Um, and I think I started in 85. So from 85 to like 95, mm-hmm. 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I had seven jobs. Okay. And, and then from 95 until where I am now, I had seven jobs. Oh, all right. So it, it, it breaks down along the lines that I, I, I was not really surprised, but it was like, oh, well, that's interesting. And what I found out is the further I get away from my youth, the closer I got to where I wanted to be, which is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I did find interesting that for for almost oh gosh almost 15 years mm-hmm. i worked in the it world right. uh, I, I worked my, my specialty was call center it which is just so out of sorts with where i am now in my life. <laughs> um but for for that amount of time i was very like you said it's like it was very like you have to you have to play by the book you have to do the code right you have to do this right you have to you know there was always problems to solve but it was very very much to that point of uh, i got to do it to this level so that it will pass this so that it will go through there and sure sure and you know, I'm I'm grateful because that's a skill set now that I that I do bring forward in in what we do, and and it's almost a necessity in like the, the music production side of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you know, I've I have worked substantially in IT over the last uh, oh I don't know since the early '90s, and um, but some of what I did in that space was actually um, consulting. And when I say that, I don't mean like, you know, you know, sitting with a legal pad and, you know, um, noodling ideas like a team of lawyers. But you, but, you, you know what the definition of, of, of um, consulting is? What is that? It's a con and an insult. <laughs> well, I resemble that remark. Oh, um, good Lord. <laughs> so um, consulting, particularly uh, in pre-sales, though, also on like a, on a niche software products or on um, on new made-to-order software development uh, or, you know, enterprise development solutions. So, you know, all that to say, a great deal of that is getting in front of people, kind of like we were talking about before, whether you know them, whether or not they're, you know, in a bad mood because they want to eat or whether or not they're just strangers and you need to put on a character. Um, a considerable part of my IT work is being able to talk to people. And that that's what I found out too. The, the reason I had success at IT wasn't that I was, you know, I was good at what I did. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm very proud of what I was able to accomplish with not going to school for that and just kind of figuring it out on my own. Yeah. It's much like you. But what I found was one of my talents was being able to take a very technical aspect of something and breaking it down for the CEO or the CFO so that they could understand it in everyday language. Sure. Yeah. You know? 
has 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 there been a moment, whether it's inside of IT or even even another job, even if you were young, where in, instead of it being the worst job, but I won't call it the best, I'll say, has there been a moment where you've been like, wow, this moment is really great. I don't know how this all came about, but I'm pretty stoked I'm doing this. Oh, y- yes, to a large extent, and I'm living that life now. Yeah. Um, okay. Cool. I, I I gave up the the workaday world. I you know I we've talked about before i'm a i'm a working musician i teach and i play and if i don't teach and if i don't play i don't get paid there's there's no other job so <laughs> right. um but the there was a there was a moment in time uh, a couple of years ago now uh scott guberman who plays regularly with phil lesh from the grateful dead uh, from out in mm-hmm. california was doing a um east coast tour and he picked me up for a couple of of shows and um what was amazing was that feeling when you're on stage with somebody that is the first choice for somebody that you idolize as a musician yeah and and i'm i'm playing with him now it's 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 sort of like the uh what's six degrees of kevin bacon uh yeah yeah this was the the six degrees of phil lesh and i've got within two wow and it was really cool, but the, the place we played is a really cool um, uh, venue in Roanoke called uh, Five Point Sanctuary. It's an old church, oh, right. and they've converted it into a music. And if and if you if you've not checked these guys out, go go out to Five Point Sanctuary, Roanoke, Virginia. Just do your Google search, put it in the Google machine, and find it. <laughs> um, they they do a re, they're a non for profit organization, and they do a great. Deal. I don't want to sidetrack us too much on that but they're they're great folks and and they do a great great work on the side and this is how they finance it is is putting on shows but anyway they have great light show great sound and i'm up there playing and the lights are flashing and the crowd's crazy and i'm just like yeah this is this is this is this is the moment that's that's exactly what i had in mind when i asked the question you hit it yeah Yeah. it's it that it it's not the best thing that's ever happened in my life, but it was, but it was a validation of my, of my musicianship that out of all the grateful dead cover bands that he looked through in Virginia, he picked me and, (laughs) and I was like, all right, okay. And validation. And I, and I think, you know, as as a music, well, any professional, when you get the, the accolades and, and you, you know, you get the attaboys or whatever. It makes you feel like, yeah, this is, this is, this is good. Yeah, absolutely. So where, about, where, where was your point of that? Oh, where, where um, was, your, where, where did you find that you were like, oh yeah. You know what? I think, um, a moment came to mind where I was working for a small software company and, um, there were so few of us and the clients that we sold to were large, large companies, mm-hmm. uh, t- typically companies that had, um, mostly consultant staff so um anyway uh we were at an office for one of these companies and we were in san francisco and uh everything went everything went not only uh right everything went perfectly with when doing this install and we had like an entire like day and a half baked in and we usually needed all of it because there were so many things about making sure the the whole site was ready and everything was ready to go this had never happened before. And so there I was with a, uh, you know, a paid weekend in San Francisco um, with, uh, okay, you did a great job, guys. Go, go enjoy yourself. And it was nice. like, yeah, you know, um, 
Uh, the client took us around. Uh, everything was paid for. So I basically had a complimentary weekend holiday in San Francisco. And I'm like, you know what? It's not bad to be the king. I'm really liking this right now. So um, I, I've been to San Francisco a couple of times for one of the IT jobs I had. That yeah. If there was a, if I were going to move somewhere off the East Coast. Oh, yeah. That's the place. I mean, that, I just I fell in love with that. Town. Now, it does have the earthquake thing. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It sure does. Okay. Yeah. But uh, other than that, it's a great town. I have a particular affinity because of those couple of years when I was a kid that I lived in the Bay Area, you know, mm. actually, you know, left the East Coast and was out there for a couple of years. Um, so I grew up in, for a couple of years inside of that media market and uh, going into the city pretty often, nearly every Sunday, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it was just great to be back. It was almost like a bit of a like it was a micro homecoming, if you will. So, right. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, a, it's a great town. A yeah. Great, great food. Yeah. So, um, is there any job you've had that's affected, or that where you've taken a particular knowledge from it, of what you will now buy when you go to a store, or what you want to eat when you put on your plate? You've learned something uh, from that job, and and I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a thought. Um, one is that I did work at a natural food store long before there was such a thing as Whole Foods, or at least anyone had ever heard of it. Yeah, and every town had a, a little collection of hippies that had opened a, a natural food <laughs> a little store. Co- co-op. A yeah. little co-op. You got it, right? Yep. Um, I, I learned I, um, one summer that when I worked there, I, uh, they, they put me on produce. It was not a very big uh, produce area um, at, at all. It was like basically like, I don't know, about 20 feet long. And um, uh, I worked with a... a a grocer, a produce grocer who had grown up and learned his trade in Manhattan, and uh, this was his retirement job. And uh, you know, <laughs> right. if I'm going to do the math, I would say he was born about maybe 1920. Oof. Yeah. So he really knew his stuff, right? Oh, and, well, no doubt. And um, and I'm not saying I apprenticed under some produce guru, but he really he really taught me a, a bunch of uh, just uh, just a bunch of things to look for when handling and looking at produce and when in the section and getting a sense for how well attended is this produce section sounds pretty obvious but there were a couple of insights that I, I, I think I still carry with me to this day um, I don't go into a store without sizing up the produce section and thinking what would Sam say <laughs> you know it's it's funny um, my, my like we said earlier my first job was in um, was at a drugstore and I'm kind of the same way when I look at how they um how any store offers their product is it we ha- everybody has their own way of calling it we called it fronting and facing or FNF right did right you do your FNF tonight <laughs> F yes I did my FNF <laughs> um but you know it and if I go into a store and it, you know if it's a if it's the middle of a Wednesday I'm 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 kind of judgy if you're if you're kind of messy on in midweek like that, but oh um, right, um, as far as is is something to carry with me that's benefited me. I um, for a brief period in my I guess late twenties, mid to late twenties, I was a car salesman. Ooh, wow! I uh, know. <laughs> uh, I, I worked for a five at the time. It was before Plymouth and Chrysler both you know became the way of the dodo. Right. Um, as far as brands, um, it was a five, what they called a five star Chrysler product 
store. Huh. Uh, they sold a Chrysler, Plymouth, Dodge, Jeep, and Eagle. Mm-hmm. And and these and the used cars that came in with it and whatnot. And uh, what I learned from that is never buy a new car uh, because you you just lose so much money on it. Yeah. And whatever the sticker price is on the car, they paid about half of. And and you just go in with that knowledge and you and you learn it. And it it pretty much goes across retail, I think, but. You know, I did. I did. I like to say I did some time working retail in the music store as I was function as I was functioning my way out of IT. Um, I, I worked music retail, and that's the same thing. It's like you know, whatever the price is on the sticker, they paid about half. Right. Offer them halfway in between that, and you're going to get you know a good deal or whatever. Uh-huh. So, you know, not something that anybody else has never said before. I mean, <laughs> guys that have worked retail all their life know the numbers. Right. You know, the, and, you know, oh, if we can make 20 points on this, we're fine. <laughs> 25 would be great. If you can get 30, even better. You know, that kind of thing. Right. You know, the the cigar-chomping general manager oh, in the yeah. back of the, you know, <laughs> working finance on a, on a Jeep for somebody. But, um, you know, it's it, it, it's stupid stuff like that that we carry on. That well, I don't guess it's so stupid, but it's just like, you're, way, you're charging way too much for this. How about I offer you this? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so if... Um, if if you're doing really um, if if you're doing what you have wanted to do right now with the teaching and the playing music, I I imagine then this this learning process of what your jobs are teaching you are, are bringing you even further into where you want to go. Yes and no. I mean, yeah. I, well, I think I, I think jobs like anything else in life, decisions we make. And the path that we have chosen have, have made us the, the person that we are. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'm not one to, to think destiny is the, I mean, sure, there is some destiny in life. I mean, yeah. we can go philo- philosophical if you'd like. But I, I think, you know, decisions we make bring us to where we are now. And anything that I would ch- have would change would change who I have become now. Right. And, and so the good, the bad, and the ugly, you know, uh, of, of all that, you know, it, you know, the, the fact that I never want to work in a factory again drives me to do what I do <laughs> with the hustle. And I'm, I'm too old for that crap now. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and you know, knowing that, yeah, I could go back into IT fairly easily mm-hmm. um, in some form or another if I really wanted to or go back to uh, repaired uh, eye exam equipment for about 10 years and it, I, I know I've got the tools I can go back and do that but it's it's soul crushing travel <laughs> if I'm going to do soul crushing travel I'm going to do it while I've got a base strapped around oh, my neck you know you right. and as we wrap up this episode we want to thank those that have chosen to listen let your friends know that they can find the Not Necessarily Mad podcast in most places you find your favorite podcast, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and many others. You can also find us at our home, madfamworld.com. You can find a complete list of our podcast outlets, links to things we discuss, photos, and extra podcast content on Facebook. Search for the Not Necessarily Mad podcast there. Stop by and give us a like. Stay safe. <laughs>